It's Saturday morning. I have my coffee and 15 books to talk about. So let's just jump right in. Hey everybody, my name is Dawn and I am one half of the novel universe. And it will just be me today as I will be doing what I am calling my fall reads because I've been a lazy ass these last couple of months and have not done my red pile for September, October, yeah, September and October. So I'm going to do for all three months, September, October, November, I read 15 books. Several of these books, well, not several, maybe like four, <laughs> Ashley and I did uh, in depth on the podcast. So I will just say link in the description. I'm not going to go into them too much. But yeah, let's get started. I, as I look at my list here, Everybody has their own opinion of what's considered a good rating and what isn't. I personally think anything under a four is bad. <laughs> to me, a four means it was good but not great, and a three means it was not good. But a lot of people think a three is just an okay rating and, like, it's acceptable. For me, a three is bad. And I'm looking at my list here, and I have a lot of threes, and I guess that's why Goodreads has given me an average rating of 3.3. So that makes a lot of sense. Oh, all right. Well, let's just get started. There, These are in no particular order. It's just how, well, it's the order of I read them. So let's just go. First book I read was Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mehiren. I know this is a very popular book. I know a lot of people loved this book. I just read it this year. I'm late to this party because I had a feeling I wasn't going to like it, but I was forced against my will to read it because Ashley wanted to do Blood and Honey for the podcast. Sorry, Ashley. So Serpent and Dove, I gave... I'm not going to be doing any descriptions of the books that you guys are familiar with. You guys know what Serpent and Dove is about. I'm not going to describe it. I gave this a three and a half. The first quarter of the book was really good. I liked the writing style. I did enjoy how there needed to be a balance in magic. I think that's kind of magic canon, but I don't know the way she described it as when uh, Lou had to, in order to, in order to use magic, she had to let go of memories of Bastion or Baz, and I don't know. It seemed to be. I like that because you could feel her pain of having to lose good memories, especially when she has doesn't have a lot of good memories. So for her to have to lose something that precious was really sad. So I liked that part of it. My issues with this book were the the potential wasted. I prefer a more critical read and this book started off as the potential of being critical. However, the theme of, uh, especially the Cardinal, what the Cardinal was bringing, being um, just blindly prejudiced against a group of people or the witches, that's a good theme in itself. But I don't think Mahirin did anything deeper than what we've already read before. It was just this clergyman group of men who were hunting female witches and the whole women are inferior or witches are inferior or you know she could have done so much with that but she didn't do anything new with it 
The Cardinal himself could have been an interesting character and she didn't once again drop the ball on that one. I was really liking the Jean-Luc and the, I forgot the main character's name, uh, Reed? Reed. Jean-Luc and Reed had a really interesting relationship and I was hoping that that would blossom into something good and different and that didn't happen. And so I was let down a lot by the end of the book. The first part of the book was really good, but I was really let down by the end of it. So I rated it accordingly. Blood and Honey, I gave a two because it was just a hot mess. The whole theme, or not theme, but the whole plot device of we almost band together to bring down the main villain has been done many times before. And so as an author, you have to figure out a new way to tell that story. And she didn't. She found a worse way to tell that story. And by that, I mean, she introduced werewolves. In this book, I don't think werewolves were in book one and the werewolves were just supposed to go along with the plan without any backstory of why they need to sacrifice themselves to take down Morgaine. And if she did give them a backstory, it was info dumped and it wasn't really like an integral part of the plot. If you're going to have a group of people that are going to come together to bring down the main one. I need to know specifically why this group of people really want to bring her down and not because you told me that she's mean to me or mean to them and therefore they're going to risk their lives to bring her down. Like, that was just a big old mess. It was a lot of Reed and Lou and their BS problems I did not care about. And it was way too long. So... I suffice it to say will not be reading book three. I am not interested in their story at all. And let's move on to the next book. A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Ashley and I also did this book for the podcast. If you want to hear our rating in depth, you can click the link in our bio. But really quickly, I think I said I gave my rating. My rating, I gave a three and a half for this book. I read Uprooted, like I DNF'd Uprooted, and that was the last time I read her book, and that was a long time ago. So I know that Novik is a very popular author in the book world, and so I wanted to maybe try her again to see if when I read Uprooted, I was just not in a good space that week, and I just was wrong about her writing style. Um... I don't think Uprooted was told this way. Okay, so I have the same problem that everybody else has had with this book. The the exposition of this book is disgusting. (laughs) I I don't like info dumping. That's a that's a that's a um a deal breaker. Info dumping is a deal breaker for me. Meaning, if there is an info dump, I am going to lower my rating immediately. And this book was 70% exposition. And this is a choice that Novik made to tell her story this way. I don't know why she decided to tell her story this way. That boggles me that no one told her, you know, there's this term called info dumping that readers do not like. Maybe you shouldn't do that through your whole book. I don't understand. Anyway... I was 
there were some really interesting elements in this book, and that's why I rated it, I'm going to say, high. Typically, a book that has this much info dumping, I probably would give a two. But because the, the, the story itself was interesting, was it necessarily different? No. You know, we've read magic schools before. I personally didn't equate it to Harry Potter. I wasn't getting Harry Potter vibes until... I did the podcast with Ashley and she was like, everybody's saying it's Harry Potter. And I was like, what? <laughs> I wasn't getting that at all. So that's not a count against it for me. But I did like the idea of this magic school and how there are no teachers and how everybody is out for themselves and you really don't have any friends. And then we have this main character who is an anti-hero and you know from the start that she is. She doesn't seem to be in the beginning because she is trying to fight it and she's saving people at the same time. But you know her prophecy and you know what her lot in life is. And so it's interesting to see how she is battling her prophecy and her dark magic inclinations and how that's going to pan out. That was interesting to me. So I did give it a three and a half because of that. I probably will read book two. Because I know that it is going to be a lot of info dumping, I'm hoping that Novik will not do that. I'm hoping she did that in the first book because she needed to acclimate the reader with her world and that it won't be so much information dropped on our head and we get more of Elle's gal. What's her name? Gal? Whatever. You know who I'm talking about. If we get more, I want more of her story in Orion. Orion. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm not really too sold on Novik. I am going to reluctantly go in and read book two. Next is Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. I gave this a three, a reluctant three, by the way. Okay, this book was difficult for me to rate because... I'm being pulled in different directions. I am a teen librarian. I buy teen books and I like this book because of the representation. I have been a teen librarian for uh, eight, seven, eight years. I've been purchasing my collection and it is very, very, very difficult to find Mexican teens who are also queer on the cover of a book. Like you can find books some books with Mexican leads that that's contemporary. There's still not a lot of them either. But to have a paranormal or fantasy slant is difficult. And so immediately I was like, yes, I'm going to buy this book. I'm going to recommend this book. And I will. However, the substance of the book is not great to me. And here's why. Our main character is a trans boy. And when I read books like this about other cultures, I want to know what it is like to be trans or queer in the Mexican community. I didn't get that here. I don't know what it's like. I, when I left, when I finished this book, I didn't feel like I understood what it feels like to be queer or trans and be Mexican. The way the father dealt with his new son was standard which you would see in any other YA book it was a lot of I'm used to having a daughter and I need time 
Um, it was a lot of ignore, ignoring uh, the main character. I can't remember his name. Sorry. Uh, Yadriel. Yadriel. Ignoring Yadriel. Uh, telling, no, you can't do that. This is what men do. A lot of that uh, passive aggressive. Um, what's the word? Just like just just a lot of passive aggressive, passive aggressive behavior towards his son. Whereas the mother was more accepting. And that's that is as deep as it got. Uh, no, 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 no. I can read that in any culture. I want to know, is it something specific? And maybe there is it. Maybe there isn't anything different in being a queer teen or a queer person in Mexican culture. Maybe that's what it is. I don't think so, because as a black person, you know, being black and gay or black and trans or it, 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 there are specific things to the culture that is just not acceptable in black culture that where it might be more in like white culture. And if I'm reading a book about a black trans teen, I want to know specifically what it feels like to be black and trans. And there are specifics. So, yeah, I didn't get that here. Also, the writing was, I didn't like the writing style, first of all. And it was just, it wasn't anything special. It was quite formulaic. Our main character falls in love fairly quickly. It is insta-love. I think this book takes place in over a span of a week, less than that. And there's a lot of a melodrama at the end with my son is in the ICU. Get out of my way. But I love him too. get out of my way. It's like, OK, with the drama, calm it down. And then he had a best friend who was a sassy black girl. I think she was black. I think she might have been mixed with Puerto Rican and something else. But uh, I think she was black. She didn't add anything to the story at all, except that she was a sassy black girl. <laughs> and then there were a lot of missed opportunities. Okay, so the boy that Ayadriel falls in love with is 15 and is dead. And very, very minor discussion about mortality and dying young. Missed opportunity. He was just like, oops, I'm dead. Uh -huh. Missed opportunity to talk about poverty in the Hispanic community, missed opportunity about abused and neglected kids and just in American society in general, just tons and tons of missed opportunity to make way for this insta-love. I hate that. That is the worst part of YA. And I don't know if it's the authors that are doing it, dumbing it down. I don't know if it's the publishers that are making them dumb down their books, but teens can handle a critical book. So that's why I rated it as low as I did. The next book I read was Early Departures by Justin A. Reynolds. I'm going to apologize now if I accidentally call him Jason Reynolds, but that kind of sucks to be him to have a name so similar to Jason. Okay, so I will describe what this book is about because I don't think a lot of people know this book. This is a um, speculative fiction and our main characters are Q and Jamal. Jamal and Q were best friends and they had a falling out. Jamal's parents died in a tragic accident and he blames Q for it, but he's never really told Q why he stopped being his friend. He just like ghosted him. Meanwhile, they're at a party and Q dies trying to save somebody. 
But in this world, there is a scientist that has come up with a way to bring back or reanimate the, a dead person so that they have a couple of weeks to be to say goodbye to their loved ones. They don't know they're dead, but their loved ones know that they are dead and their loved ones can have time to say goodbye. So this is what happens to Q. Great idea. I have not read this before. I've read something close to it, but not quite like this. So I was like, okay, cool. The writing style was, in, well, I won't say interesting. It was okay enough that I would read something else by uh, Reynolds. But once again, it was a lot of missed opportunities here. And first of all, this is a grief book. And my teens, my teen patrons love grief books. Actually, the the griefer the better the sadder the better they love that shit and this book had potential to be really sad however the way that Jamal deals with the death of his parents is not something that we haven't read before once again if you're going to tell a a very common story about grief you need to do something with it and he it's our main character has just not gone through the seven stages of grief he's just kind of stuck in not denial but the why me I think I don't know what stage that is but he hasn't gotten to acceptance yet of course he does get to acceptance because that's how he grows but it's just the way he deals with it I've read this in a million books before when I read a book I want to read something new I don't want to read something that I've already read before and that's what happened here as far as the grief aspect then we have the relationship between Jamal and Q and this was once again a great opportunity to talk about friendship and how you know strained friendship can be and what we do as humans to fix it I guess I don't know that was kind of a shitty explanation but anyway okay so they haven't spoken to each other in a couple I think it maybe is a year a couple years I don't know how long it's been but he basically ghosted Q. Q doesn't know why. And then when, of course, he dies and is reanimated, he wants to be his friend again. And Q has that memory still. And he's like, why are you talking to me? You ghost to me. Get the hell out of my face. And in this book, they have one discussion and they're best friends again. And I had a problem with that. Is that realistic? Yes. When you have been best friends with someone since you were five years old and you have a falling out, It is plausible that you just apologize and everything is like piece of cake. Everything's great. Everything's cake. But that's not a good story to read. I don't want to read that story. I want to get into it. I want it to be messy and sad and honest. But we never really... He does that. He tells him why he ghosted him. But then it was just like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And let's be friends. (laughs) It's like, no, that's not good enough. Also, the main character Q dies fairly early in this book. And so now, I mean, even though he comes back and we get to meet, we get to know about him. We don't, we really don't get to know him. All we get to know is that he wants to be a stand-up comedian. That's pretty much it. And... I I I wish Reynolds could have developed that character better and he he made avenues for himself to do that. The two boys had a YouTube channel and we could have seen their relationship before the fatal accident of his parents 
through this YouTube channel, but he doesn't really do anything with it, which is unfortunate. Just once again, a lot of just like missed opportunities here. I would read something else by him. I do think that he has a good, you know, his writing style was okay. He seems to have some interesting and different ideas. However, this wasn't hitting it for me. I would recommend it if you are a librarian. I would recommend uh, choosing this book for like book club or something because there are some, there are some discuss some things that you can discuss in this book if you have a book club. It's not, I would pick this for like a book club for like, not like experienced readers. I don't know. I don't think that's a term, but you know, I wouldn't give it to like a, a, a group of smart kids. Not not smart kids. That's mean. <laughs> Maybe for like some freshmen. If you have some freshmen in your book club, I probably wouldn't give this to seniors because they're not going to be challenged by this book at all. Next is We Are Not Free by Tracy Chi. Tracy Chi originally wrote the Reader series, which is fantasy and is one of my favorite fantasy series of all time. A lot of people are not reading that series. Not sure why. I think it just didn't get a lot of hype and the cover was really bad. But that's a great fantasy series. So if you're looking for a YA, and I talk about it every chance I get. If you're not familiar with the pod, I'm always talking about the reader because don't nobody fucking read it. But Tracy Chi has decided to go and do historical fiction because she is a Japanese American and um, her family were part of the internment camps during World War II. So she wanted to tell their story. Admirable. I gave this book a three and a half. Mostly it's a my it's a me problem, not a book problem. I am not a big fan of historical fiction. So that's already a, a a count against it. That's why I say it's a me problem. If you like historical fiction, you might like this. But my big problem with this one is I don't like the way it was told. So if I do read historical fiction, which is rare, I like historical fiction that's told like a story. Like we have fictional characters who are dealing with real situations technically that would be historical fiction because it's fiction it's historical the historical fiction that I usually read is from Ruta Sapetis who like I said takes fictional teens and put them into real life situations which is what historical fiction is but her stories are read like a story and I also like Julie Berry because she kind of adds a speculative uh slant to it so when I say that I didn't like the writing style, that's this doesn't have a story-like feel to it. Just a quick background of this book. It is about six or seven teens whose family was taken to internment camps during World War II. Okay, that's pretty much what the book is about. So as I said, there are a lot of teens in this book. And because of that, you don't really get invested into any one of their stories. They are mentioned in other teens chapters, but it might be, oh, I see her passing by or um, this is what happened to her. I hope she's doing OK. Like it's not once this once their chapters are over, their story is pretty much over and you're following a different teen I didn't really like that. So 
it's this book is more uh, and the way I talk about it you're like so what's the problem <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's about their experience being in the internment camp but it's but it's a lot of facts and events and not a lot of story yes we are seeing how they are feeling while they are caged however there's not a lot of story it's just what they are experiencing it's just them and then we meet another character and they're experiencing something different because they might be a boy as opposed to the girl in the previous chapter and the next person is experiencing something different because they don't have a they don't have two parents maybe they only have one parent whereas the other characters had two so it's like a different dynamic from each of them which is good but I don't know it just Tracy Chi is a fantastic storyteller the woman can tell a story and I even though it's historical fiction I was like oh well you know she can tell a story so hey let's read it and uh, I just I didn't it's just not for me it's not for me I did only take U.S. history in high school and only took it for one year and we talked about World War II as far as Germany and the Holocaust. So we really didn't spend too much time in the United States during World War II in my history class, which doesn't make any sense because it's a U.S. history class anyway. And then the other half of the class, it was an election year. So we talked about the election, which once again, not a government or a civics class. It was a history class. Anyway, we talked about the election. So I don't really have a big background of in or knowledge of the Japanese internment camps. And so I got some information from here. I learned a lot. That definitely happened. I definitely learned a lot. So that's good. I didn't know anything. I just knew that it was th that it happened. But I didn't know. I knew why it happened, but I didn't know how they were taken, how long they were there, what they were doing while they were there, the racism they experienced. I didn't get any of that. All right, it's unpopular, not unpopular opinion, but it's uncomfortable time now. Okay, so I am black and it was very difficult while reading this book to not play the well, my people had it worse than you game. It's hard to not play that game. And I know this sounds terrible, but as a black person, it's like, okay, yes, they, they're, I'm not diminishing the Japanese American experience during World War II or before or after at any other time at all but as a black person reading this it's like yeah you guys had it bad but were you lynched were your people raped which i'm sure they were uh were you were you drowned with water hoses did the policeman beat you till you died probably did that too are they still doing that today i don't know you know it's hard to play that game so once again not diminishing their plight because anybody who is not white, able-bodied, heterosexual experiences some kind of ism being an American or being an immigrant. Just being in America, you are going to experience some kind of ism if you are not white, male, and able-bodied and heterosexual. 
So everyone has their story. I appreciated the story. Like I said, I learned a lot. I just didn't like the way it was told, if that makes any sense. But once again, that's a me problem, not a book problem. So I will recommend it. You should read it. If you are a librarian, buy it and recommend it, book talk it, and all of the above. All right. The next book I read was Crazy Stupid Bromance by Lisa K. Adams. We read this one for the podcast. This is book three in the Bromance Book Club series. I gave this a three and a half. I like the first book the best. I think that what this book was missing was the actual book club aspect, which I think is why this book is different and special than other books. I don't read a lot of romance, so maybe this is a common theme. I don't know. But to me, this is different of the the book club part of it. It wasn't a lot of book club. And when we were at the book club, Noah was being a dick and I hated Noah was quite insufferable throughout most of this book. Um, so that was one issue I had with the book. Secondly, okay, so the way this book is written or the way this series is written is you are introduced to the other characters in previous books so that when it's their turn to have their book, you kind of have some background information on them. I felt like that didn't happen for Noah and Alexis. It happened for Liv and Mac. Liv and Mac were in the first book a lot. And so when it was their book for book two, we kind of already knew their backstory. However, that didn't happen with Noah and Alexis. We kind of got to know Alexis, like what happened to her. We didn't really get to know her personally, but we know what happened to her. And Noah was in it for like a page. So we didn't know Noah at all. Now, you could be like, well, um, all books are like that. When you read a new book, you don't know anything about the characters and you meet them when you open up the book. Sure. But that's not how this series is told. This series is told as you meet the pre, the this book's characters in previous books. I didn't get that and I didn't like that. I didn't get that and that bothered me. And... um. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, it's just okay. The, the book is okay. I like the first book better. I felt like the issues that Thea and, I don't remember his name, Gavin, I felt like their issues were really good and the way they dealt with it was really good and deep. And this one, it was just not as good as the first book. But if you want to hear our full discussion, click the link in the bio. Next, I read Return of the Thief by Megan Wallen-Turner. And this is book six in the Thief series. What's it called? The Queen's Thief. Okay, so if you're not familiar with this series, it is about Jen and Natalia. I don't know when The Thief was written. It was written a long time ago. But Jen is a thief, like he's a very skilled thief and he ends up marrying the queen of Atolia, which is the land. The whole country is Atolia. And he's a young king. And this is just a continuing story about people trying to take them over and their relationship and la da da. Okay, so I gave this book a four. It's kind of a reluctant four. I probably would give it a three, seven, five if I'm being honest, but I'm giving it a four because of the writing style and not because of the story. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so if you are familiar with the series, then you know that Jen is the star of the book series. He is the shit. If you have not read the series, he's basically Selena. Uh, what's her last name? Sardothian? I've already forgot. From Throne of Glass. And by that, I mean she's the smartest person in the room and she's 20 steps ahead of everybody. And Jen is very much like that. So when conflicts happen, you are expected for Jen to outsmart everyone and to already have a plan and to already be out outwitting everything and has already figured the solution out. That doesn't really happen here. Jen is barely in the book. Well, that's not true. He is in the book. But what we love about Jen is not in the book. And what we love about him is how he's smarter than everyone in the room. That didn't really happen here. And that was my biggest issue was there was not enough Jen. The way that Turner tells these stories is quite fascinating. I know she did this for Thickest Thieves. I'm not quite sure how the other books were told. But in Thickest Thieves and in this book, it's told from the perspective of just some other person who who lives in the court. Uh, as Thickest Thieves, it was told through one of the guards, I believe. And in this one, it's told through Varys. And I apologize because I have forgotten the names of the characters. Shit. Um, okay, so Jen and Natolia have a main villain. Can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Eurydidas? Eurydidas. Something like that. If you read the book, you know what I mean. He is the main villain. And he has planted his disabled grandson to go live in the court and be a spy. And his name is Varys. And Varys is telling the story. And I believe Varys has grown up and he's telling what happened when he was a young boy. I'm not quite sure how old Varys is, though. I never quite understood. Is he 10? Is he 15? And he looks 10? I don't know. I couldn't quite understand his age. But anyway, he has a limp. He's lame. And I think he might be mute. He's not deaf. But he can hear. He But he uses sign language. And he has a, a limp, a lame leg. So they're kind of just like, ew, get away from me, grody. And they just don't pay attention to him. They think that he's an idiot, but he's paying attention to everything. And he, okay, I won't say anything because it's a spoiler. But so I do like the way that she tells her stories. However, there is a problem with that because Varys has to be in the room with Jen all the time, which he is in order for us to see what's going on, which he is. But there's still not enough Jen in the story for me. I personally don't understand why these books are YA. I don't know any teen past book one. Book one is actually middle grade. It either won the Newbery or it was a Newbery honor. And if you're not in the library world, the Newbery Award is one of the most prestigious awards you could win for middle grade fiction. And it's either an honor book, which means it was a nominee or it won. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, it's a middle grade book. And I'm reading this book like, wow. I don't know any middle grader that would be able to sustain this book. This is this is a lot. This is a lot of story. And the rest of the series reads like adult fiction because and not because of the content, just the the pacing is so slow. And the court politics is like really thorough. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know what teen is reading these books. And this book is no exception. It is very slow. The court politics there's a lot of it there's a lot of dialogue and not a lot of action and the action is not on the page because Varys isn't fighting he's 
got a lame leg. He's a child. So he's not in combat. So we don't really see combat because he's not in it. We can only see what he sees. So if you're looking for action, it ain't going to be in this book. It's still a good book, but I think it would be better if it was an adult book because then she could have put some F words and some sex. And I think this book series would have been just elevated if she could just do more with it. But because it's YA, it's PG. And I just, I want her to write adult fiction. I think if she start writing adult fantasy, oh man, she's a very good storyteller. But yeah. It was, it was a bit of a slog to get through. I'm not going to lie. I don't like court intrigue. I don't like war strategy. Oh, 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 I also forgot. My biggest issue was the villain and what happened to the villain. And I'm not going to say this is a spoiler, but if you read this book, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't like that at all. I was very upset. So I like a good villain, and I thought you're, it's not Uranus. It's Eurydantes? I don't know. It's got. They're all Greek words. But I liked that villain, but I didn't like what happened to him. Yeah. All right. I'll just let that one go. All right. The next book I read was Everybody Looking by Candice Ilo. I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong. This is told in verse. This was actually an NBA honoree. Honor? NBA nominee? Honoree? It was long. It was shortlisted for the NBA. The NBA is the National Book Award. Once again, it is a very prestigious award and she was on the shortlist for it. So this is about a teen girl. She is graduating from high school. Her father is a Nigerian immigrant. Her mother is African-American, but her mother has some issues and she doesn't live with her. She lives with her father who has remarried. I believe he's remarried. And her father's very strict. He's like, you're going to go to church and you're going to go to school and you're going to study hard. And then when you graduate, you're going to major in something that makes you money. So you're not poor. And she's the type of girl where she's just like, okay, I'm going to keep my nose clean. I'm not going to talk back. I'm not going to rebel. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pretend like I like it. And I'm going to question it in my journals and in my head and not out loud. And I'm going to get my grades up. And then when I get to college, peace out, motherfuckers. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And that's what she does. Actually, um, well, incidentally, she goes to, I believe she goes to Howard University, which is a historical black college that Kamala Harris went to. So that's cool. Okay, I like the beginning of this book a lot. I like Candace's writing style. I like the whole questioning of religion because it kind of reminded me of myself. I grew up in a pretty religious house and it, it wasn't questioning religion wasn't frowned upon. But I don't know, it's just something inside of you where you're like, should I be asking these questions? I'm just gonna keep it to myself. So she does that. I thought that was written really well. I like that she... I like that she just like just did her work and she didn't talk back and she didn't because that's we always read stories of these kids who are angsty and they run away and they talk back and they get into some shenanigans where a lot of teens don't do that. A lot of teens just kind of just do what their parents say until they get out of the house. And so I appreciated reading this girl's story. That's where the goodness ends. So she gets to college and this is where it starts to go wonky. I also didn't mention that she wants to be a dancer, but her dad is like, hell no, because dancers are poor. So she kind of is like, OK, once I get out of the house, I'm going to I'm going to try and do some dancing while whilst I'm studying accounting. I think she's studying something financial. I don't know. 
Okay, so she gets to college and she starts to make some really weird decisions, in particular with this boy. And we don't really see her with boys because we're not really with her. We're only with her on her high school graduation. So we don't really know her dating background, really, or if she had one while she was in high school. But she gets to college and she starts dating this guy who treats her like shit and she lets him. And so, of course, she tells the story about she had an incident with uh, sexual assault. But she only mentions it once, and then we see her at a clinic, and she doesn't, the whole sexual assault storyline doesn't ever come back. And I know you could argue, well, it's part of her growth, and she doesn't have to say it out loud. As a reader, it should be inferred. True, however, if you're going to drop a sexual assault bomb in the middle of your book, you don't just walk away. You have to make it part of your story somehow it doesn't have to be obvious you don't have to knock me over the head with it but it still should kind of be in there somehow as far as how it's how it's affected her relationship with men or women or friends or authority or whatever but it never comes back into play and then she just starts skipping class to go dance and I understand that but I think she might be on scholarship. I don't know. It's the choice that she was making was just bizarre and it ended quite abruptly. I don't know. I would read something else by Candace, but I knew this book was not going to win the NBA because it was missing a lot. Okay. Oh, I gave this book a three and a half, by the way. It is worth a read if you are looking for uh, Elizabeth Acevedo read-alikes. It is a good read-alike for that book. All right, next I read Igniting Darkness by Robin Lefevers, and I DNF this at 70%, and I hate to say it, I hate to say it, because this was one of my anticipated reads for 2020. I like Robin Lefevers. I like the His Fair Assassin series. Sabella is my favorite character. She is in this series. She is the star of this series. I was very excited. Book one, I actually liked the other character's story arc better, Jean Vieve. Her story was way better, so I was hoping in book two we would get more Sabella. And we did get more Sabella, but it wasn't good stuff. <laughs> okay, so a DNF to 70% because this is exactly what happens in this book for the 70% that I read. So the Queen of Brittany, I think, yeah, she's still in the story. I, I don't know how old she is, 14? She's, she's ministrating, so she's at least 14 or whatever and the king is still a little bitch and Genevieve is kind of caught the eye of the king she's not banging him though she just listens to his bitching which I thought was dumb as she should have at least been like you know hooking him up or something but anyway so the whole 70% of the part that I read went as follows there was an assassin in the court. They take Sabella to the king and the king's like, Sabella, did you kill that guy? She's like, no. And he was like, okay, bye. And then a couple days later go by, another person's dead. And Sabella gets taken to court to the king. And he's like, Sabella, did you kill that person? She's like, no. And then the regent is like, um, yeah, she did because she's jealous and she wants to give it to Sabella. And she's like, oh my God, Sabella's an assassin. She did it. And Sabella's like, no, I didn't. He's like, okay, bye. 
And then a couple days go by, and then somebody else dies at court. And he's like, um, Sabella, did you kill that person? And she's like, um, no. And then jean Viev is like, no, she didn't. Even though we're both assassins, I love you and not her, but she didn't do it. And he's like, okay, bye. Like, that happened, like, five times. And I'm like, okay, this is stupid. It was just a lot of... Once again, court intrigue where it's like people are lying and the king can't trust anybody because the regent's trying to like pull his strings and then he's uh, he's paranoid that Genevieve is trying to pull his strings, which she is, but he doesn't know it because he loves her. And then you got the the queen of Brittany who's like on Sabella's side and it's just a lot of all that bullshit, which ordinarily would be interesting, but because the plot was so slow... I stopped caring. I think the king needed to be a little bit more extreme in his in his paranoia. I think that would have made it a little bit better. It was just him repeating himself. I can't trust her. You lied to me. Blah, blah, blah. He's kind of reminding me of, um, I don't know if you guys watch The Boys on Amazon, but he's reminding me of Homelander a little bit. But Homelander is a much better villain. I have recently started watching it. I've been binging it this week and I really like it. So, of course, I had to put a Homelander reference in the podcast today. So I did. All right. If you read Courting Darkness or Igniting Darkness and it's good and it ends well, let me know because I gave up. (laughs) All right. The next book I read was Where the Dreams. That is not the title. Where Dreams Descend by Janella Angelis. I DNF this one at 75%. Hoo-hoo. I kept seeing this book all over Instagram. I'm thinking it was in an owl crate or something. It's because everybody was taking pictures of it. The cover looked really cool. I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is about. All right. I don't think I need to say what this book is about because all y'all, all y'all have read it. It's, well, I'll just kind of say it as I give my, my review here. Our main character... Kala, I think that's her name. I've already forgotten these people's names. I read this book less than a couple weeks ago and I've already forgotten. That tells you how much I didn't like the book. Kala is the star of this casino show. And in this world, people have magic, but it's illegal for women to have magic. Don't know why. And the author doesn't really do a good job of developing that theme. Anyway, She's the star of her casino show. She lives with this mysterious casino owner guy and he's basically keeping her there. She doesn't know why. And one day she sees a flyer of this town, Glorian, and they're having this competition of magicians. And she's like, ooh, I want to compete in that. And old dude is like, no, you cannot go because it's dangerous. And she's like, whatever, dude, I'm going. And in chapter two, she gets out of there. No setup for their relationship at all. No setup for why Glorian is great and or bad. She just has to like easily make it through this horrible forest that she has no problem making through. She gets to Glorian. She meets this guy who comes out of like 1920s gangster movies. He's like, hey, girl, how you doing? Yeah, this is the bee's knees. Like he talks like that. He kind of looks like that. And I was like, okay, whatever. So she, 
competes in this competition. Now, I have been promised a competition of epic proportions. And what I get is a shitty American Idol. The judges in this book are basically like, nobody that's competing is great. And the only one that's great is this woman who can just do fire. Because I guess fire is magical. I don't know. And that's it. In the show, like this whole spectacular, I think that's what it's called, a spectacular, it's supposed to save the town of Glorian. She thinks Glorian is this amazing place, when in actuality, she was in Vegas and Glorian is Reno, instead of it being the other way around. Glorian is a shithole, and this whole show is supposed to save it, but the rest of the performers, A, they suck, and B, they keep disappearing for whatever reason. New storyline, we have this judge named Dario, Daro, something like that. And he has an interesting storyline. He's there to find a missing person. His sister has gone missing and Glorian is kind of mysterious. There's some gates of hell or some bullshit. I don't know. Anyway, he's going to find his sister and there's a lot of mystery around the town. Magicians are disappearing. There's a forbidden forest and all of that gets halted because he falls in love with Kala. And so all of the interesting stuff takes a back seat to the stupid romance that we get in every YA book. It is an enemies to lovers, gross, and it's not done well. I actually like enemies to lovers, but it was not done well in this book. I was also promised a circus. Didn't see a circus by 75%. We got to go into the tent a couple of times and see a couple of circus folk, but I was promised a circus, like Caraval type circus, and I didn't get that either. And I just was like, I don't want to read this anymore. And I didn't. I stopped. Okay. The next book is The Lives of Saints by Lee Bardugo. I gave this a three and a half. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting something like The Assassin's Blade, which is the short novellas uh, from the throne from the throne of glass where we get a little bit more backstory into sam and we find out what happens to him and our arbin that's his name we get more backstory uh especially because some of the characters in this book like uh yvette e something can't remember her name she's in the seventh book crown of dawn that's not the name of it it's got the word dawn in it tower of dawn thank you I was expecting that. I didn't get that. Instead, I got some short stories about some saints and I I didn't like it. But it doesn't mean the book is bad. It's just that I didn't care. So I just kind of skipped to words that were familiar to me. So I read the one about St. Nikolai and I read Sel- uh, Selena. Oh, my God. Alina. I think I combined Saint and Alina. Alina's chapter. I think that was her chapter. And then there was a saying from Navi Zem, and so I read that one. But yeah, that wasn't my jam, but it might be your jam. Okay. Next book I read was The Rogue Prince by by B.R. Myers or Meyer. I did not write her name down. I gave this a three. This is a reluctant three. Okay, so Classic Dawn, I don't read book descriptions because I don't like spoilers. So I did not know that this was a gender bending Cinderella story. As I was reading, I was like, huh, the guy has two stepbrothers and a stepfather. That sounds like Cinderella. 
whatever. Still didn't make the connection until after I finished and read Goodreads reviews. And because it's got a very low Goodreads rating. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. Even though I gave it a three. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. But anyway, I didn't realize it was Cinderella until after the fact. But that's not the point. The point is this book is Cinder. It's Cinder because it's got androids, even though Cinder has cyborgs. Potato, potato, same fucking thing, kinda. I know a cyborg is half human, half robot, but still, not the fucking point. The point is, it's got robots, and it's in space, and it's Cinderella. It's Cinder. It's Cinder, folks. If you haven't read Cinder by Marissa Meyer, and her name is Meyer. (laughs) If you haven't read Cinder by Marissa Meyer, just read that. If you have read it, you've already read this book. You don't need to read it. Um, Okay, so here's first problemo. I listened to this book... This book has a brown girl on the cover and because I don't I don't really know I don't look up authors I don't look up anything before I read books I'm assuming that the author is black because there's a black girl on the cover. I'm listening to the audiobook and I'm like this narrator is a white woman. Why do they have a white woman narrating a brown character? I don't know what kind of brown she is. I don't know if she's black. I don't know if she's Hispanic. I don't know if she's or South Asian, I don't know. All I know is that she's brown. And that's how she is described. But the narrator was white. And then I looked up the author and I was like, oh, the author is white. Okay. I'm hoping, hoping that the author or the publisher did not sit down in a meeting and say, hmm, brown girls on covers of YA is selling like hotcakes. Let's make your girl brown, even though none of this other woman's books have brown girls on the cover. I'm hoping that's not the case. They're just trying to sell books. Uh, It didn't work if it was. And shame on you. But so that was a problem. And as I was listening to it, she was saying that at one point the main character goes pale and that a couple times the main character goes red. And I'm like, brown people, unless you are light skinned, brown people don't pale and brown people don't get red in the face. I've never gotten red in the face. So I I mean, that's not why I rated it low, but I just found that to be funny because a white person is writing a brown person in there saying that they go pale and they blush, which they don't. Okay, so the problem with this book is it's Cinder. It's Cinder. There's nothing special here. It's Cinder, and Cinder was written better. That's all. Next book is Among the Beasts and Briars by Ashley Poston. I gave this a three. This was also another book that I saw all over Instagram. Once again, I think it may have been in an owl crate. That's usually what happens. And I listened to this one as well. (sighs) Okay, so this book is once again, not special. It's, it's very familiar. It's ticking all the boxes. We have a girl who is not special. Actually, she is special because she has a special power. And it's a secret because she can't tell nobody that she shoots forests out of her wrist, except everybody knows it and nobody fucking cares. It was done better in When the Moon Was Ours, by the way, but whatever. So she's friends with the queen or the princess. And she's friends, or she was friends with the prince, but he was taken by the Forbidden Forest. Another Forbidden Forest of uh, October that I read. 
And now, and the king is dead, so now the princess is time to be queen and it's her coronation. And of course, during the big party, something bad's gonna happen because duh, and it does. And she has to go into the forest to do something. I don't know. But anyway, she's got a little fox with her, so I guess that is supposed to make her special. It doesn't. And, you know, there's a villain who wants things that she shouldn't want. And then there's a guy that's hot. And this is what killed me. Okay, so she is in the forest and she gets like attacked. I can't remember by what. And the guy runs away because he sucks and he just like leaves her and then she finds him and she's like, you're a coward. You left me. And he's like, I'm sorry. And then for the rest, well, not the rest, but for like 30% of the book, all she does is call him a coward. Everybody calls him a coward. And you know, as a person who's ever read a book ever in your life, you know that he's going to grow because he's going to save her and not be a coward again. I just kept waiting for that moment because... Because, of course, that's going to happen. And, of course, it did happen. And, I mean, if you just want an easy book that you've read five times already, then read it. I mean, it's not a bad book, but it's not special either. And the last, finally of 15 books, was Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. I gave this a four. Okay, so I've been seeing this book everywhere. I don't know why I had not heard of this book until recently and I don't think I bought it for my collection either which makes me sad and it may be because I don't know maybe I thought it was an adult book because I know Brandon Sanderson writes both middle grade and I think he writes a middle grade maybe he just writes YA and adult and I must have thought this was adult because I didn't buy it for my collection but I will anyway you probably have not heard of it either because it's not one of those flashy Instagram books that people talk about all the time because it's science fiction it's not fantasy it's about a girl who she lives it's science fiction so it's set in the space and it's set in the future not on earth on some other planet and this girl And her community lives in caves because there are these aliens called the Krell who are constantly attacking them. And pilots are revered because they fight the Krell. They're basically the army. Her father is in the army. He messes up and he is branded a coward. Once again, we got another coward. But this one was done better than Briars and Beasts. And he dies. And so through her whole like school life, she has been basically called the daughter of a coward. And so she wants to be a pilot to um, show everybody that she's not a coward. Her family's not cowards. And she's just trying to prove who she is, that she's a good person to herself and to the rest of the community. That's what the book is about. Okay. My only had two problems, and one of those problems is a me problem. It's not the book problem. I don't really like, like, space stuff. I don't really read science fiction. I read fantasy more. And I, I like science fiction, but I don't like it when it's about space. And this book is riddled with flight school and ship talk and space talk. And I was just like, oh, I don't care. And I kind of was like skipping through all that stuff. But that's a me problem. It's not the book's problem. If you like that stuff, you will probably rate it higher than what I rated it. And the other thing was that once again, this is a me problem, is that I have found that male authors of fantasy and science fiction tend to be a little bit more loquacious than women. And I'm talking Pierce Brown and Red Rising, 
Jay Kristoff, Brandon Sanderson, like these men. And I'm reading um, right now. I'm reading the name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Long winded. Like it's they just talk on and on and on and on and on. It's like, dude, get to the friggin' point already. And that was another one of my problems. This book was like 30 pages too long. He could have buttoned all that up really quickly. And some of the things were kind of jamming me over the head. It's like, oh my God, she's a coward, she's not a coward, whatever. Can we just get on with our lives here? But other than that, this book was really good. I really liked the main character. He made her insufferable. And he made you like want to just shake her, but he did it on purpose and he did it well because there were so many moments where I was like, girlfriend, you are killing me. So that was good. I liked the other characters, including the main guy, Jerkface, and there were some adults in this book, which is always great to see adults. So there was her flight school instructor and the commander or admiral or whatever Ironsides I thought it was funny that is a woman and they kept calling her a sir instead of ma'am but whatever uh she had an interesting character and Cobb did too which was her flight instructor so I was invested in all of the characters including the ship she finds uh the ship is called Mbot and he was really good too kind of reminded me of uh fuck I forgot the name from Cinder what's her what's her bot's name you know who I'm talking about her bot so I liked all the characters. I liked the world. It, you know, it's a familiar world, but he put his own little slant on it. I liked that the pacing, even though I thought it was too long, the pacing was done really well in that a lot of times YA, the big stuff happens at the very, very end, but he doesn't do that here. He kind of sprinkles big stuff throughout. So I liked the pacing of it. It, it, it was never boring. I, with the exception of the ship talk, but that's a me problem. It was never boring. It kept going. And there were things that were like, oh, no, it's happening. Oh, it was kind of intense. Not really intense, but intense, mostly because I wasn't I was skipping over the, the battle stuff. I didn't really care. So maybe if I didn't sh- skip over the battle stuff, I probably would have felt more tense tension. But whatever, we'll we'll just skip past all that. Anyway, it was written well. I liked all the characters. It's a really good book. If you're looking for a YA science fiction that you haven't read yet, I would recommend it. I will probably read book two. I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but I will read book two. Okay, that is my list. That was 15 books that I had to talk about. It was very long. I apologize. And I am also taking a sabbatical from YA fantasy for a while because I'm sick of it. I think after I read Rogue Princess and Beasts and Briars, it just put me over the edge of YA. And I was just like, I can't read this anymore because it's starting to get repetitive and it's really starting to bum me out. And I don't want to sour on YA fantasy. So I'm going to take a break in December and I'm going to start reading some adult fantasy. As I said, I am reading In the Name of the Wind. I know that is not the name of that book, but... (laughs) That's what I'm calling it. And my next book is The Rage of Dragons, The Age of Dragons by Evan Winters. That is my next book. We will be, Ashley and I will be reading A Sky Beyond the Storm by Sabah Tahir. That is book four. That is the only YA book I am reading this year. And I will try and finish the fifth season. So those are the three books I need to get through. Name of the Wind, Rage of Dragons, and The Stone Sky in the fifth season series. That's not the name of the series, but you know what I'm talking about. All right. Thank you for joining me and I'll catch you in the next podcast. Bye.
I said that wrong. Bye bye.